0: Um, My name's Jonathan, lots of people call me Johnny, my name was always Johnny May at school, so people just called me Johnny May, and then I decided that I was going to drop that when I went to um, uni, and then it kind of didn't really work, and people basically just call me Johnny May, so um, yeah, even my father-in-law now calls me Johnny, even though that's just not my name, so, but you can call me either, Johnny or Jonathan. Um, and I'm from Grace Church. So we're a multi-site church We're in Chichester um, and in Bognor Regis and in Havant. And then my, my family, we live in Chichester, but then we go to the Havant site and kind of help out a little bit there. Um, I've kind of up until recently led the youth work. So it wasn't Chris. So Chris and Catherine led the youth work at Grace Church before they handed it on to, to me and my wife, Kara. So then we kind of took it on from them and then led it for about five years or so. And then we've handed it on to to Alice, who is also here as well, Uh, not in this room, but just at the conference. Um, Yeah, what else is important stuff? Yeah, I'm married, my wife is called Karis, we married in in 2016, we've got a son called Paul, he's two and a half, Um, and I'm a secondary school RE teacher by trade, so I don't like work for the church or anything like that, that is my job. Um, I remember when I was in year eight saying, like at school, that I wanted to be an RE teacher. So there we go, go for your dreams. Become RE teachers. My dad was an RE teacher as well, which might have been kind of part of the reason that I liked it. Um, I love reading books. Have we got any other book lovers here? Yeah, great. Favorite kinds of books? Fancy. Fantasy books. Nice. If you had to make one book recommendation that we should all go away and read, oh, well, <laughs> it's a tough question, isn't it? The Throne of Glass series. The Throne of Glass series. Very good. Make notes of that. Um, yeah, I love, um, I love reading Christian books. Christian books is kind of like the um, opposite of probably lots of people where I love reading Christian books and then I kind of have to try and make myself read fiction because I know that I'll enjoy it. So I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy this, this year, which is a good, I enjoyed it. Um, Les Miserables, I read last year as well, that was a bit of like a, a project, but that is well worth reading as well. But it's always, like I always find with books, when you read the book and then the film is never as good, And so now there's this incredible musical, which, because you've read the book and you know the story, it's not as good. I'm also an Arsenal fan, so I'm a big football fan. Any other Arsenal fans? Nice, five points clear top of the league. I cannot believe, this feels very strange to be, yeah. I was walking up here with a Liverpool fan and he was saying, It's normally the other way around, Arsenal are doing rubbish, but we are the best team in the whole world. Um, Yeah, I'm genuinely really excited to to be speaking to you this morning. Um, Like CST, I was thinking about it, it's really impacted my life. So I first went to CST when I was in 2015 and I went 16, 17, 18, 19. So I think, yeah, five years and this will be my sixth year. And just every time I just really felt like I've met with God and God has spoken to me, had prophetic words that... um, just feel like I've been really powerful throughout my life. I went through and I looked, I love keeping like notebooks where I I write in and stuff like that. Hiya. Um, Come and grab a seat. Um, My name's Jonathan, by the way. That's the kind of the essential bit of information that has been said so far. The rest was just me waffling about myself. Um, Yeah, like I was looking, taking some time looking through some notebooks and stuff that I wrote in when I was at CST in 2015, 16. It's weird looking back at how you were like six years ago and you're like, that is really cringe, but at the same time, it was like, hey, God is a very faithful God, isn't he? Um, I'm also just very excited to be talking about uni. So I, I graduated in 2018, so I did three years at uni, and then I did my, my PGCE, so I became an RE teacher, so I had four years in general. Um, and it is just it, a very strange, but incredible time of life. Can I just have a quick show of hands? Who's like in first year, second year, third year, fourth year, and beyond? Anyone else beyond? 50. There we go. Um, Yeah, but it's just such an exciting time where God can do so much in our lives. Um, I am clearly not a student anymore. So I graduated, as I said, 2018. I grew up in Dover, just along like on the south coast. It's basically as southeast as you can go in the UK. Um, And then I went to Chichester Uni. I did theology and creative writing, which was joint honours. Literally nobody else did that. That was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I know that I enjoyed theology and I enjoyed creative writing. So I mashed them together and got a two one, which was nice. Um, I was also just loved having like independence for the first time, still some very fond memories of being in my halls and being like, I can stay up late, which sounds really sad, doesn't it? Like clearly I probably could have done that before, but it's nice just being like, hey, I can decide when I go to bed, cooking soup. I think I ate quite a lot of soup in my first year of uni as well. I was also president of the, the Christian Union in my second year. And then, higher, quite strangely, I then got married at the end of my second year of uni. So I met my wife. Probably like the most Christian love story that you can ever find is that I met my wife at the Christian Union event of Freshers' Fair in my first week. So she was, get this, like you're just going to cringe. She was the rep for Grace Church. And so I had to go and find her and say, I want to come to Grace Church. And then we did. And then... Um, yeah, we were married at the end of my second year, her third year, which I realise is slightly strange as well. I realise that's not the experience of most people when they go to university, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, and then did another year of teacher training. And I just want to, in the time that we've got together, about 30, 35 minutes or so, I just want to, I, I hope, impart a little bit of wisdom or help. I kind of was talking to some of the other people who serve on our, our Grace Church youth team. It was a bit like, just what would you want to go back and say to yourself when you were at uni? Which I realised, like, that's a... A ridiculous question in some ways, because you can say that for any stage of life. You can always say, oh, I wish that I'd known this when I was 12 or 15 or 17, etc." cetera. Um, but I just want to hopefully be a benefit to your, your studying and your working and your resting and your being part of church and hope that God is gonna kind of sweep you up in his purposes, big purposes for you today. Um, And so this session is called Connecting with God and Others at University. Um, And I'm going to be looking at both of those themes. But I basically want to break it down into three parts. And as I said, you can interject throughout. Um, first one, I want to just look at the big picture of however much time we've got left of uni, whether that's one, two, three, four, five plus years, um, and ask like, what is the big picture? What is really going on when we are at university? So we can get so stuck in just all of the, I guess the on the ground stuff, which is getting in with lectures and assignments and kind of just being in the flow of going to church or not going to church. We've got friendships, relationships, family to deal with. And we're asking what is the big thing that is going on in our lives when we're at uni? Um, and then I want to look at what what does that mean on the ground? So what does that look like when we are saying, right, we want to take this big picture that God has for our time at uni and actually make that happen. Um, and then we're going to finish by um, having some Q&A. And if we've not got questions, then I'll just pray for you and we'll see if anything any of you want to be prayed for as well. Also, uh, people say that I tend to speak quite quickly. And obviously, I don't have any PowerPoint slides and I don't have any notes to give you as well. So if there's anything that I say and then you're like, hang on a sec, I didn't catch that, or you listed about five Bible verses and I didn't get those down, if you like taking notes, um, then you can always give me your email address and I can send them to you, so don't don't stress. Um, So first of all, what's the big picture? Um, I basically want us to think about the question, like what does it look like to make the most of university? So however much time we've got left, how can we make the most of it? Or put another way, we could ask the question, what does it look like to not waste uni? Um, Because pretty much at every stage of uni, and you can tell me if I'm wrong with this, I think we tend to think that uni stretches out like forever. Like almost we can't really foresee a future time where we won't be at university. At least that's what I think. Like you always start in first year and people are like, oh, it's going to go really quick. Like make sure that you make the most of it and stuff. And then we never like actually believe them because we just think, hey, I'm always going to be in this moment. Um, But actually university is three, four, five years, whatever. It's just a moment. It's like a second in our lives, if you compare it to the rest of human history, our time at university is just a it's a pff, it's just here and then it's gone. And yet I think that our time at uni has got a disproportionate impact on the rest of our lives. I think the kind of people that we become, the kind of relationships that we form, the kind of habits we get into at university are then going to bear fruit for the rest of our lives, potentially. Um, and actually, we would all recognise, probably, that we also waste so much of our time at university, which you would expect, because often we're starting, most of us would have been going to uni at 18, 19, 20. Um, and we, it's our first taste of like, true independence, in some ways, and freedom. And of course, that's going to be the time where we are getting used to, to life outside of the family home, where we would have grown up. So of course, we're going to make mistakes. But I also think that perhaps the reason that lots of us would look back on our time at university or even our, oh, I can't believe I did that with first year, second year. is because we just don't have big enough ambitions for our time at university. I think lots of the time God's problem with our ambitions is not that they are too great, but that they're too small. Um, I think if you were to go on to your average, to your average student at university and ask them, like, what, what are you living for? What are you trying to get out of university? What do you want to take out of your degree, etc.? Um, I wonder what you think they would say both Christian and non-Christian so like some of my ideas were like a good degree ready to go out into the world of work um, some people might say just a good time some people want to do what they love they want freedom they want independence they want to find who they are I think some people would just say lots of fun they want to party hard um, and just enjoy this few years that they've got before they go into the world of work and I probably from like Christian perspectives would seem to be someone who made a good use of my time at uni so president of the Christian union and I gave out cookies at 1am as drunk students left the SU and I went around giving toasties out with text to toasty and I got stuck in with church and I got involved with setup and youth work etc I went to prayer meetings I joined a life group I got a good degree and yet I regret the fact that my ambitions for university were so small I spent hours doing the right stuff and going to church, and yet so often my heart was far from God, and God was not the one that I was really living for. I literally did a course that was half about God and the Bible and theology, and yet I didn't discipline myself to spend time reading the Bible and spending time with my father. I spent, rarely spent time talking to God in prayer, and yet I probably won the Champions League with Arsenal like 15 times in FIFA career mode every single year, and watched lots of Netflix, I have plenty of time for Instagram scrolling. And yet I never remember having serious conversations with my housemates and my flatmates about Jesus. Um, And my question to you would be, what are your ambitions for uni? Like, what do you want to get out of the year, two, three, four, five years that you've got left? And right, right. okay, we're Christians. We know the right answer, don't we? We know the answer is, I want to live for God and all out for God. And yet, actually, if we were going to scrape back at that desire, lots of us would also recognise that for lots of the time we are really living for ourselves, aren't we? Actually, I might say, yeah, I want to live for Jesus with all of my life. And yet I also recognise that I'm a major hypocrite because so much of the time I'm living for myself. And really, here's like the next two, three minutes is the biggest thing that I've got to say to you today, because what I want you to do is get caught up in God's vision for what it looks like for you to live and have purpose for him, not just for university, but for all of your life as well. Because actually we are created to to know God. We're created to live for him. Like that is why we're made. Our whole purpose in life is not just to do good at our jobs and to perhaps start families or serve God in particular work areas or serve our church and belong to the church, but it's all for the goal of bringing glory to God, knowing him, enjoying him more and more. I think some people that we would say we want to be like when we're thinking about our time at uni, regardless of how much we've got left, is we want to be like Paul, who said in 1 Corinthians 10, so whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether we're in lectures, whether we're talking to course mates, whether we are up until 3 a.m. completing assignments the day before they were due and regretting leaving it that late, whatever we do, we want to do it all for the glory of God. We want to be like Jesus who said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Every part of us should be wrapped up in looking to serve and love him. Or we could be like Isaiah who said, your name and renown is the desire of our hearts. Isaiah 26 verse 8, your name and renown is the desire of our hearts. Isaiah captures our our desire to say, actually, I don't want to be living for me. I want my purpose at unity to be something that lasts into eternity, not just the rest of my life. God, I want your name, your renown, your fame to be the passion that I live for. We want to be like King David who said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. The one thing he wants, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Like, wow, that is the kind of heart that I want. That's the kind of heart just broken for God. I want more of you. I want to see more of you in my life. Having my eyes out looking at you. I want to be like Mary of Bethany who defied cultural norms to sit at the feet of Jesus when culturally she should have been doing something else and say, Jesus, I want to learn from you. I want to learn to be more like you. I want to be like Anna in Luke 2. Her husband died after they'd been married for seven years and then Luke 2 tells us that until she was 84 she never left the temple but worshiped day and night fasting and praying her whole life despite this massive you know catastrophic disappointment that she would have had so early on in her marriage and life she then spent her life worshiping god fasting praying and that's literally the only thing we know about her i don't want us to settle for a faith that relegates our relationship with god to the background while we then get preoccupied with with courses and relationships and family and friends because all of those are good things but actually they are secondary rather than primary. Actually primarily I want God to sweep us up in his vision for us which is to be people who know him, who seek after him, who say like with the psalmist would you satisfy me with your love. We want to get passionate about God's purposes for us so that our desires for academic success and social media fame Um, Or a Christian spouse or Netflix and popularity and sexual fulfilment and a great job post-graduation all fade into their proper place. And we know the joy and delight of having God as our number one. And that is how we make the most of university. Regardless of our course, whether it's biochemistry or theology or one of the sciences or musical theatre or early childhood studies, Actually, when we make God our greatest passion, our greatest pursuit, that is when we truly don't waste our time at uni and when we truly don't waste our life at all. Great book that I would recommend to you. John Piper is always a slightly tricky author to read because he uses just words that I think, why, why are you talking like that? Like Nobody talks like that except for John Piper. Um, but Don't Waste Your Life, I'd say would be a great book. Massively like formative for me when I read it towards the end of my time at uni. And um, it's just a great book that I would keep going back to. And so what I want to do is then, all right, we've got this this vision. We want to say, God, we are living for you in all aspects of our lives. You are the great passion. Your name and renown is the desire of our hearts. We want to see more of you every day. We want to grow to become more like you. We want to do the things that you did, Jesus. And the question is then, how do we make that happen? And three ways that I've got for us, and this is where I want us to get practical, main kind of part of this session, is to ask, well, how do, how do we make that happen? Three ways that I'd like us to look at. First of all, to know God better. Second of all, to belong to his church. Third of all, to bless his world. So to know God better, to belong to his church, to bless his world. And so first of all, know God better. I think if, if we are gonna be people who say, well, I, I want my time at university to last into, into eternity. I want the fruit of this to be in, you know, impacting people around me. I want to take what I've done here and take that all the way through my life, then we've got to peop- people who are passionate about wanting to know God better. Ephesians 1.17 is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. And in this, Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, and this is what He's he keeps asking him for may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better so paul is so excited about the church in ephesus he's saying i've heard about you how much you trust jesus and i've heard about the love that you've got for for all of the people in the church and so I'm, I'm constantly praying for you i'm constantly going to the father on your behalf and asking god please would you do this please would you do this please would you do this and what is the great thing that he is asking god for he's saying god would you give them the holy spirit so they can know you better and when the bible talks about knowing god it's not talking about like just knowing things about god like being able to list off 10 things that you might have learned at gcse re that christians believe about god Okay, this is like a deep, full understanding, rich knowledge of who God is. It's the kind of knowledge that we have with a family member or a friend when we are growing in deeper relationship with them. Some that we just feel like our hearts are aligning with them, not in like a necessarily a romantic way, just but with a a good friend. Um, We start to have greater and greater knowledge of them, what they're like, what pleases them, what makes them happy. Um, Paul in Philippians 3 verse 8 says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Like Paul is like the the best thing that you can do is know Jesus better. Um, I got a quote from Charles Spurgeon, um, which is a lovely quote. He says, the proper study of a Christian is the Godhead, the highest science, the loftiest speculation the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings and the existence of the great God whom they call Father. Like the best thing that we can give our, our mind, our time to um, is, is knowing God better. Understanding more of who's he like. That's the, that's the big thing that is going to affect every part of our lives. Um, I was in a, in a cafe Writing a a preach a few weeks ago, and I just wrote in the top of my journal because I was—it was about Exodus three, where God reveals Himself at the burning bush. And um, I just wrote at the top of my journal, like, what an amazing use of time it is to be able to just spend time thinking about the Bible, thinking about God. Like, this is what we're made for. Like, to be a a theologian, someone who knows God, you don't have to like be super intelligent or have a degree. Like, the, the the youngest child can know God right up to the oldest person. And so I wanna ask then, what does that look like on the ground? So if we're people who are gonna be hungry for, for knowing God better, for having more of him in our lives, how do we do that? I think that number one, we need to be people who pray. So Paul, notice that in Ephesians 1.17, what he's doing is he's saying, I keep asking that God would give you the spirit so you'd know him better. Like prayer is clear, this isn't something that we can just muster up in ourselves. Like oh God, I wanna know you better, trying to make it like increase in our hearts. Actually, it's something that God has to do for us by his Holy Spirit. Um, If we want to know God better, if we want to see our hearts turn towards him, then we need to be men and women of prayer. And I wonder how you find prayer. what, What would be our challenges with prayer? When you think about praying, what are some of the things that you would potentially struggle with? It might be that you're just an absolute prayer hero and you can you can take over and teach the rest of us. Probably difficulties with prayer? Distractions. Distractions. Yeah, major one. Do you think that like a yeah. Well, as in like tick, yeah, pray for that, yeah. Yes. Is anyone just finds prayer not that hard? That's not like saying it in a proud, proud way. It's just I have one of my youth came up to me once and she said like, Oh, actually, I just really enjoy praying. Like I can just do it for ages, and I was like, "That's not me." Um, yeah, I feel incredibly hypocritical saying about our, our need um, to pray because I am so bad at prayer, and I imagine I'm not the only person who would feel like that in this room. Um, but it's, it's pivotal, isn't it? I think if we're going to be people who genuinely like are growing to to be more like Jesus, to know Him better, to do the things that He did then we've got to people who be people who spend time talking to God in prayer. And like, how many encouragements do we have in the Bible to be people who, who love to pray? Like, yeah, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray our Father. It's like when we literally are, are coming to pray, we're not coming to pray to a distant God who doesn't you know, care about us. It's like, oh right, you're here again, like after completely ignoring me for the last however long. It's like, it's our, it's our loving Father. We are coming to him and he is po- he's excited that we are coming to speak to him. It's things like that. And I'm like, how, why is it not more easy? Because you would think that we would just love to say, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to talk to you. I think practically there's lots of things that we can do to just help us get into a place of prayer. I think it's why it's important to get to life groups and prayer meetings, because there are times where we're literally forced to pray because there are people who are going to pray with us. Um, you know, having a, a friend, perhaps like if there's a Christian friend that you, you share a house with or is in your halls, then go and spend time and pray together um, pray spontaneously. Like sometimes when I'm at school in between teaching lessons, the goes and I'm putting out books for my next class. And I'll just think, God, would you help this lesson with my extremely challenging year 11s to go well? And it's just a little like like shoot up a prayer. Just to say, God, would you please help me? And Because God loves to answer prayers like that. And um, sometimes like we, we're very good as Christians, sometimes of are saying like God, like or someone tells us about a problem. We say, I'll be praying for you. And then to be honest, it often then goes out of our mind and we never think about it again. But Have you thought about just right there when you say that saying, can I pray for you now? So like I had a, a friend, we were giving her a lift to church because her car had broken down. And then I just was like, I'm not going to say that I'm going to pray for you this week because I will probably forget. I just said, I'm just going to pray for you now. And so we prayed, would you give Sean a new car? And she had a a new car within a week and we had the opportunity to pray together. Um, Yeah, think about ways to like enjoy praying, like put on worship music in the background, make a a list if that's helpful and it doesn't feel like it's going to be too much of a tick list. Pray for um, your non-Christian friends, pray for your church leaders, pray for Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt, pray for your lecturers, And if you are someone who struggles to to think of things to pray for, runs out of things to pray for, then top tip that I would give is praying through the Bible. And that's my second way that we can know God better, is diving into God's word. And again, I don't know how you you find reading the Bible, whether that's something that you you make time for in your day-to-day life, or whether that's something which is not really kind of in your headspace. Anyone like just enjoy reading the Bible? Anyone find it greatly challenging? Anyone just not ready to do it very much, but feels guilty about that and wish they did it more? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Welcome to being a Christian. Um, yeah, like, I think like the Bible, again, it's just, I'm running out of time. Like I need to cut masses. Of, I think I've got enough for about 90 minutes of like, seminar, which is the story of my life when I'm preparing talks. Like, if you think about, so Psalm 1 is an amazing psalm to go away and read and think about with reading the Bible. It describes a person, like a, a young man or young woman, a student, who is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and it's, it's steadfast. Um, its leaf doesn't wither like chaff that is just kind of blown away in the field. It's strong, it's fruitful, it's got life, it's got vitality. And what is that person, like what characterizes the life of that person who is steadfast in their Christian faith? The psalmist says it's the man or woman who delights in God's word and thinks on it day and night. Like if we're going to be people who are serious about wanting to live for God, then we've got to get this book into our lives. And, um, and yet reading the Bible, as we said, is so hard. Like when I was a teenager, I did not read the Bible very much. And I think in my first few years of uni, I, I dabbled in it. Basically, I'd go to CST and then I would be like, hey, I want to read the Bible. And then I'd kind of dabble in it and I'd read it really passionately for about four days and then go back to not reading it at all. Relatable for anyone. Yeah, I thought probably so. And then um, in my third year of uni, I read this book, Through the Bible in 80 Days, um, which I would really recommend this to you. It's about half an hour of reading every day. I probably, I didn't do it in 80 days, maybe like 85, which at that stage I'd finished my degree for the year. So it was kind of in the summer when I got that nice stretching out amount of time. You basically read through about 20% of the Bible. And it is so helpful because it gives you the story of the Bible. It just helps you to understand, right, like Nehemiah, where does he fit in? Or Ezekiel, why are these people prophesying judgment? And it just helps you to see the great story, like changed me in a way that has lasted all of my life since and will continue, I'm sure, as well. I am um, Now I'm at the point where I, I read the Bible in a year. So I've got a lovely... It's a lovely red thing. You can get it much cheaper than this as well. And it's got space where you can write notes at the side. And so my mum actually bought one of these as well. So she texts me and says like, hey, like Ezekiel, that was pretty crazy this morning, wasn't it? I say, yeah. And um, my wife as well, She this, this was mine. And then she stole it basically. She because you know started reading it. So I've got like a really rough version. But she'll then like call me into the kitchen in the morning and say, what does this mean? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, what does it say in the study Bible? This is what I think it means. Um, but I just, I, a great passion of my life would be trying to help people, especially young people like yourselves to enjoy more of God's word in their life. And to that end, I think I've got a couple of, of healthy principles that I think are good for Bible reading. They're not like a checklist, but just uh, if you are saying, God, I wanna know you better, I wanna get into your word more, then how could you do that? They all start helpfully with the letter P. Okay, the first one is, is plan. You will have noticed probably in your life that you don't have to plan when you're going to go on TikTok or watch Netflix or eat or maybe even brush your teeth. okay? but you do have to plan to read the Bible. Unplanned Bible reading is an oxymoron. It just doesn't happen. And I just checked with my wife. I said, that's right, isn't it? She was like. Yeah, like people don't generally tend to just spontaneously be like, oh, I've got five minutes. Yeah, just read a bit of the Bible. It tends to be unless we make time for it in our day, it doesn't happen. And so some of the things that you need to think about when you're going to read the Bible or take away from this and say, I want to get this into my day. Um, each day, regardless of whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever time you've got, a couple of things to think out is, is when are you going to read? Is that going to be first thing in the morning? Is that going to be last thing before you go to bed? I've done both. Is that going to be in between lectures? Is it going to be with some lunch on campus before you go and do something in the afternoon? Think, when am I going to read it? When is that going to happen? Um, secondly, where are you going to read it as well? I love the idea of being able to read the Bible just cosily in bed when like, the heating comes on in the morning, or maybe doesn't come on in your houses or halls. Um, but listen, if I'm going to read it in bed, I'm just going to fall asleep. So that's a terrible place to read the Bible for me. Although I know some people who that works very well. So where are you going to read it? I realise that's more tricky when you're in like shared accommodation, which many of us would be. Um, but where's going to be a good place? Is it literally just, you know, on your bed? Is it on the floor at your desk? Is it in a public place where you're not going to get distracted, um, for example, or mix it up, go and get a coffee at Costa. Although they don't do This is just me digressing. They don't do the um, Black Forest Gatto hot chocolate this year, apparently. I'm sorry. I clearly have upset you. (laughs) Yeah, it's very disappointing. One of my favourite parts of Christmas. Finally, what are you going to read? If your, like, habit with reading the Bible is just open it up and see where it goes, that's not Bible reading that is going to last very long at all. You're just going to get so disappointed. You're going to open up to Lamentations chapter 4 and be like, what is happening in Lamentations chapter 4? I am, I love doing the Bible in one year. I do the the Psalm and the New Testament in the morning and I tend to then, I've been not been great at it this week, which I probably shouldn't speak like that as well, but I've not been too disciplined in doing the Old Testament at the end of the day, but I tend to do Old Testament then before I go to bed, Um, which is great because then when you're in the middle of a very tricky Old Testament book, you might be like right in the middle of something really lovely in the New Testament and it's great to have Psalms and Proverbs etc., there's also a great app. Some of you I know the Bible in One Year app. You can hear Nicky Gumbel talking to you and he, he reads it through and then he'll give you a commentary which you can listen to or read on a smartphone as well. Um, yeah, YouVersion app has got loads of different plans. I've got friends who read a chapter of the Old Testament, chapter of the New Testament every day and then just move forward with that. Um, what I tend to do with this as well is if I miss a day, I don't go back and read it. just move on to the next day, move on to the next day, move on the next day. If I don't read it for two days, great. Don't catch up because you'll never do it. Just move on to the next one. Um, Second of all, pray. Like prayer is vital in reading the Bible. Um, Prayer, I wrote this down, it says prayer invites the Holy Spirit to take what we are reading and make it real to our hearts. Like we need help when we read the Bible. We don't want it to just kind of wash over us, even though there's benefit in that as well. And so, pray before you read, pray while you read, pray after you read. Before you read, you could pray with the psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 18. He says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. What a prayer before we open the Bible. Um, or during, when you see something that stands out, or you're not sure about, pray about it. You know, so if you're reading about, there's a verse in Hebrews I was reading the other day, um, it said, it's like, work, may the Lord work in you what is pleasing in his sight. And I was praying that for me and for my family. Would you work in us what is pleasing in your sight? Pray after prayer as well. Um say, look, would you help me God not to just forget about this? Let's be honest, we forget most of what we read pretty soon after it happens. But would you help me to take this? Would you strengthen me for the rest of the day? Give me rest as I go to sleep. Would you help me in all the things that I've got to do? So plan to read, pray when you read. Thirdly, ponder the Bible. It's good to read the Bible in just broad sweeps and just get loads of the Bible into our life. And in fact, one of the ideas that it says at the end of this is to try reading like 10 chapters of the Old Testament a day and three chapters of the New Testament a day, which is a lot of reading. Um, I tried it after I'd like finished my dissertation and stuff in third year. I got, I finished the New Testament and I got up to Proverbs in the Old Testament, but Proverbs, if you know Proverbs is pretty tricky when you're doing 10 chapters a day. So I didn't really plan for that. But I got most of it done and you read the Bible through like in three months, which like that's a, if we could take an hour out of our day, you know, that's a, That's a Netflix program, isn't it? Say, I'm not going to re-watch The Crown or whatever it is that we're watching, but I am going to read 10 chapters of the Old Testament and just try and get the Bible read. So I know what it's about. And I've got a little bit of a, a platform that might be something which you feel challenged, stirred to do. But actually, I think the Bible is a lot like an onion when we spend time thinking about it, it's like we're just peeling back the layers, seeing more and more of what it says. Um, As we think about it, as we meditate on it, that's the the biblical word, meditate, which means not to empty our minds, but to fill our minds with God's truth. um, I think we'll find that God is just changing us, making us more like him, showing us more and more insight. And some practical tools, if you're going to sit down and you're going to read the Bible and try and think about it and ponder it, um because cool, this is where i really get excited it's like the the best bit you could try writing out the passage in a notebook so if there's like you're struggling to concentrate and read it why don't you literally just try like keeping a notebook like this it's not fancy i, I try not to call it a journal because for journal means like i'm like writing dear diary and stuff like that which is not i'm kind of just writing notes about bible passages just write out the passage just think about it as you're writing it and, and pray over it um You could read a passage and make notes on three categories. What does it say about God the Father? What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? And then just spend some time thinking about God or two categories, what does it tell me about God? And what does it tell me about me? You could write down verses in a notebook which stand out to you. You could write an outline of the passage in your own words like what is God saying? You could memorize part of the passage, Say, I'm gonna take that verse and commit it to memory over the course of the day and return to it yesterday. And lots of this, as you might see, comes down to writing. So Donald Whitney says, the basic difference between Bible reading and Bible study is simply a pencil and a piece of paper, which is quite profound, isn't it? Um, so we've got plan, pray, ponder, and finally persevere. Like Bible reading is, will bring setbacks. God is still speaking through his word today, and yet it is still an ancient document that was written thousands of years ago in poetry and law and history. There's going to be challenges when we read the Bible. It's not going to be easy. Um, we've got to remember the gospel. We've got to remember that the fact when we come to read the Bible, we are not doing this as a tick list to earn God's love for us. We're doing this because I say I'm a beloved son or daughter of my heavenly father. And so I want to know you better. And so I'm going to spend time in your word, even though it's going to be hard. If you're treating it, as I so often do, as a yes, I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian because I read my Bible consistently for four days. Like it's going to be awful because you're going to feel like God hates you when you don't do your Bible reading. Don't treat it like that. Treat it as I get to spend time with my father, get to spend time enjoying him. Um, And expect that there's gonna be times where you feel really dry about your Bible reading as well, where it doesn't feel like it's particularly life-giving, but keep going, because it will then come to the time as we let it just break over us again and again, we'll rediscover that enjoyment of knowing God in his word. So we've got prayer and Bible reading Yeah. Last thing for knowing God, because I think this is probably my most important point, is enjoy his world as well. Like Psalm Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Like Just going out and being in nature is a great way to spend time with God. I've got a friend called um, Alice. She loves to go to the beach and she will just sit at the beach nice and early in the morning and pray and journal and think about God. Or maybe for you, it's going out in, in the middle of a busy street or sitting in a coffee shop or going out and walking in the woods or on the hill something like that. Basically think, what is the thing that makes you love Jesus and want to live all out for him and do it? Get as much of it in your life as you can, because it will last forever. Um, I'm going to start drawing to a close. My other two points, which I've not come on to. So I, I said, if we want to live all out for Jesus. We've got to know God. I think That's the most important thing that I'll be able to say today because ultimately that's where everything else comes from. I think if we're Christians who are passionate about trying to know God better, then everything else will then begin to fall into place. But two other key things would be belong to his church. Like the church is not just some side project. It's not just something that we go to. And I appreciate that I might be preaching to the converted here, um, if you'll pardon the pun, because you're all at a church conference, which shows that you are probably quite committed to churches already, I imagine. Kevin DeYoung says, if you want to be into what Jesus is into, you'll get into a church. Two reasons for that. One, we can, be, we can bless the church. Like We have got spiritual gifts, which God has given us for the, for the building up of the church. There is no such thing as a giftless Christian. God has put us in the, the body of believers in order for us to be able to bless them. So whether that's bringing our gifts with working with children or youth, or whether that's serving on the tech team or being present in life groups so we can pray and encourage older families and friends within the church. is so vital um, that we can bless the church by being part of it. The church misses out when we are not there. Um, and secondly, the church blesses us as well. Like how many times like would I be able to think of times where people have prayed for me or encouraged me or um, yeah, or I've been able to go and listen to preachers and feel my faith stirred or be served by the, the worship team who are leading us in worship. Go and be a blessing to your church. And be blessed by your church. And then finally, bless God's world. Um, I realised that today we talked about Bible reading and prayer and going out and enjoying God in nature. But actually those are like the, the small parts of our lives, aren't they? Like Bible reading is what? Like 20, 30 minutes a day for most people tops, if that. Prayer, very similar. God, Glorifying God is not restricted to the spiritual parts of life. Actually glorifying God happens in every aspect of our life. So serve God, bring glory to God in your course. Like, how do you glorify God as a musical theatre student? Well, you do a great job of being a musical theatre student. How do you glorify God um, as a chemistry student? By doing a great job of being a chemistry student. It's stuff like say, God, this is the vocation that you've called me to right now, whether I love my degree or whether I don't. And so do your best at it. Say, God, I want to serve you in it. Do things like, it sounds really boring, but like, Be on time to lectures. Like, that's not like, oh, Johnny May said I should be on time to lectures and I wasn't, so I've just got to feel bad about myself. But it's like, you know, take pride in in your course. Like, do stuff like pre reading. Say, while I'm doing this, I'm going to do the best of a job of it because I want to glorify God and serve Him in it. And be, and it's the same for your jobs as well in future. It's the same for careers. Like, if you want to be a great RE teacher, how do you be a great RE Um, Sorry, if you want to glorify God as an RE teacher, be the best RE teacher. That you can be. If you want to be a great physicist and glorify God in being a physicist, then be the best physicist you can be. That glorifies God, it honours Him. And then be salt and light in your university. Bake cakes, take them to your friends. (laughs) That's my most profound point. Set an example of godly living in your speech. If you're at the SU or whatever you're doing, then be the one who is out there looking for people, looking out for people, caring for people. People look at you and say, Like, what is up with you? You're different. That's what we want to aspire to. Ask a friend or person in your halls who you're friend with hey, do you want to come to church with me or come on Alpha or read the Bible with me? How many stories would we know of people who became Christians because a Christian in their life who they were friends with just said hey, can I pray for you or can I read the Bible with you? And that is what I have for today. Sorry, because my middle section took significantly more time than I was expecting. In reality, I knew it was gonna take that much more time. I just didn't do anything about it. Um, And so what I wanna do is it basically asks, have you got any questions?